Welcome back to Gear Shifts Season 1, Episode 2, Life Transitions. Hey, hey, it is Colston here, and I want to welcome you to Season 1, Episode 2 of the podcast Gear Shifts. As promised in Episode 1, today going to be talking about the four big categories of life transitions. So as a reminder, those four types of life transitions are expected or anticipated or unexpected transitions, uh, welcomed or unwelcomed, chosen or imposed, and sudden or gradual transitions. So I thought it would be helpful to start off with kind of defining what a life transition is. Uh, So as a therapist, you know, my worldview, my experiences in life, I tend to focus my definition of life transitions as, let's say, periods of time in our lives that involve a lot of changes to what has become our typical lifestyle. So for example, when I start off my day, I wake up to an alarm clock on my cell phone, right? So that that automatically assumes that my battery is charged (laughs) at least all night so that the alarm goes off right? I've got apps that I can set an alarm. Um, I can get up. I have a roof over my head. I have running water for a shower bath. I have running water. I have indoor plumbing. I have a toilet. Um, I have gas in my truck um, and I can drive to the gym. So if that's my my typical day-to-day morning before I ever even get to work, um, and if there was an event that happened where maybe my vehicle broke down, And so I still have all of those other pieces, running water, power, roof over my head. Um, But when it comes to getting to the gym, right, now there's a a transition that something has happened. There's a change where I have to do something different, okay? So um, sometimes transitions might be the result of an important event that happens um, not maybe directly to us. So uh, just even historically, um, the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr., the assassination of JFK. So often I hear people talk about, I know exactly where I was when that happened. Now, I wasn't born then. Um, but so in my, in my, I guess, era, my, <laughs> my generation, um, you know, the, the 9-11 um, uh, planes flying into the Twin Towers. Um, I, we just had a, a recent 20-year you know, anniversary of, of this, and so a lot of people were sharing those same similar stories. You know, I remember exactly where I was or who told me to turn on the news or what happened when I turned on the news, where I was actually headed that day and how this event and wanting to be informed you know, changed my plans for the rest of the day. Um, and that's from people not necessarily living in New York. Right, so those big life changes and transitions for people who were actually living there at the time, who maybe were in the towers or family members, etc., where um, th- this is going to be a, a life-changing moment that's going to be full of transitions after that. So life transitions may run smoothly, which is a beautiful thing, and and a smooth transition is like. Ooh, that was so easy to manage, right? Because it was easy, right? Everything fell into place. Everything was in line. That's awesome, right? So where we, where we tend to struggle <laughs> is when a transition doesn't run smoothly, right? So, so we struggle to adjust to the changes, right? So people may find these periods of life highly stressful, and at times they will feel distressed, 
right, by, by these events and these transitions. And that can lead to something that I call decision-making paralysis, right? So if I've had the, this transition that is not running smoothly, uh, maybe it was an anticipated transition and I've done all this pre-planning to make things happen. And then there's a glitch somewhere or something falls through or someone falls through that I had to depend on. And, and now I'm like, what do I do now? Right? Maybe I was going to take a job with a business and all of a sudden the business is out of business, right? Well, well now what? So sometimes it becomes difficult to make a decision based on transitions, right, on what has happened because there is such a struggle to adjust to the changes. So um, people will often talk about, you know, feeling stuck, right? Um, these, these, uh, it's a process that, that can be very painful and emotional. Um, and so if I feel trapped or I feel stuck, it's really hard for me to make a decision really about much of anything at that point, at least initially, um, so during these, these transition periods, um, sometimes, right, sometimes people will find their, themselves evaluating their lives, right, and we'll be evaluating our successes. And so, so a, a great stereotypical example of this <laughs> that, that I hear quite a bit um, is what we've kind of termed the, the midlife crisis, Right. So, you know, oh, he went out and purchased this flashy red Corvette, you know, so now he's driving a sports car or or even if we see someone driving down the road in that type of vehicle and we look at the driver and if it's an old dude, we're like, oh, midlife crisis. (laughs) So so some of this terminology has just kind of become everyday, you know, verbiage for us. Um, But sometimes that that experience of whoo, I'm really having some difficulty or I'm having some problems adjusting to the concept that maybe I'm entering middle age, right? That's, that's a huge transition. And so, you know, we might hear examples of, of people talking about, oh man, you know, gossipy people, right? Or <laughs> like, you know, gossipy, oh my gosh, you, did you know that she was married to her husband for this many years? And she, she left her partner for a 27-year-old. Dude, she is 58, right? So there's a lot of judgment in that gossip. Um, but in my in my therapy office, you know, there's no judgment, but there's there's an opportunity for understanding, right? It's kind of a sometimes our intention or our volition or what has triggered us um, to make the decisions that we make. Um, now, again, those are two very stereotypical examples: the guy with the sports car and the the, the older woman who's now decided I don't know she's a cougar and she's she's going after these young guys. Um, but sometimes it even manifests in these you know extravagant purchases. Um, but often there's, there's a bit of a panic, um, that can happen for people when they're, you know, approaching mid middle age or, or midlife. And, and they, and they call it a crisis because we're having a hard time adjusting to it. Right. So, um, I want to get into some other, uh, pretty common types of transitions, um, that most humans can relate to. And so those, those are things like body, right? Physical, like bodily transitions, health transitions, relationship transitions, whether those are, you know, familial relationships, friendships, romantic relationships, uh, parenthood transitions, educational transitions, employment and career transitions, transitions in society, and even international and global transitions, right? So, I mean, right now we're going on almost two years of a global transition with the COVID-19 pandemic. I hear a lot of people as they talk now, they've, they've kind of made this distinction or, or, or differentiation between, you know, pre-COVID or pre-pandemic. I used to do A, B, and C. 
And now I hear, you know, now because of this pandemic in the last, you know, year and a half, two years, I can't do A and B anymore, right? Because of the restrictions or, or, or whatever, whatever else is contributing, right? You know, I used to work with patients and I'll, I'll use the same differentiation um, that, you know, that are struggling with depression. And so a lot of the um, kind of behavioral activation or coping strategies that we talk about is, is how to get up and moving. And so, you know, pre-COVID, it's get outside, get some vitamin D, get in, you know, from that sunshine, go for a walk, go to here, go to here, go to this place, go to that place. And when there was this, you know, quarantine and, and the shutdown, and they're like, now I'm even more depressed and I don't know why. And I'm like, well, because all those coping strategies we just talked about just got taken away, right? So so it's really, it's, it's a transition to a transition of transitions, right? And so they just kind of build on top of each other. Um, but but to start off with, uh, with bottom transitions. I mean, if we, if we think back, not that I expect anybody to have any actual memories of this, but just thinking back that from the time of conception to being birthed, there are so many bodily transitions that, that are made, right? So in fact, there, there's so many resources online and in bookstores that, that can outline, you know, every developmental process for that, that developing fetus that's, you know, it, all the changes, you know, at week six, you can expect it to look like this at weeks, you know, week this it's, it's formed the lungs or it's formed that, you know, you, fingers are showing up and there's a nose and a face and, you know, so bodily transitions, right? So in, in psychology land, um, there's a, a ton of, of well-known, um, theorists who, who focused on and contributed to, um, kind of our increased understanding, um, about different stage related development processes. So for, for instance, um, Jean Piaget, um, dedicated most of his career to kind of understanding the maturational progress, right. And the process, um, he was a big proponent of that stage related development, uh, he emphasized and focused on children's cognitive, right? So their thinking, their cognitive development, and how children actively construct their knowledge of the world based on their experiences. And and this isn't strictly just for kids, right? So I mean, we 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 all had childhoods, right? If we're if we're over eighteen, we all had some sort of childhood, and and so we continue this in building our own worldview, often based on our experiences our education, our training, and information that we have learned that we didn't, you know, we didn't know before. So, you know, uh, another, other psychology land well-known names include Freud, you know, and he, he gets a lot of, gets a lot of crap for his theory on, on psychosexual development, and Erickson, who focused on psychosocial development, and even, even Kohlberg, who, who's well-known for, you know, his theory on moral development. And that's, that's just a name, you know, a few of those, those pieces. So no matter who the theorist, the, the key premise underlying the, the stage-related approaches on transitions or changes um, is that it's universally experienced in the same way in all human groups. Um, so kind of to break that down a bit, um, there's often talk about this, you know, nature versus nurture, you know, which came first, the chicken or the egg, and people can debate that until they no longer have breath, right, <laughs> in their lungs. So, so what I look at is, so if there are universal um, experiences, right? So as a fetus, no matter where I live, if I come to full development enough to survive being birthed, right? Um, ideally there are these universal bodily features that I'm going to have, 
right? And so this this can be related to kind of the nature part um, or the biological part of that nature versus nurture debate, right? So so Erickson, who was big on the social context um, and how significantly social context can influence um, our own experience, um, just as cultural norms and familial expectations have a significant influence as well, um, that can be related to the nurture side of that same nature versus nurture debate, right? So if we think about physically, so bodily, these changes between conception, puberty, adulthood, and there's so many, so many physical changes. And I, and I got to share a cute little story of a, a kiddo. <laughs> you know, after, after I composed myself, I was able to address the questions, but he had, he had come in with, with a grandma and uh, who was his guardian. And, uh, oh, not, sorry, not his grandma. It was his mom. Um, so comes in with mom and, and the kid, apparently they'd recently had some sort of conversation about the birds and the bees. And I'm sure it was age appropriate, but to, to hear him after that conversation come into therapy and he's having this conversation and, and he looks at me and he says, uh, Hey, and I have a question. I was like, oh, I love kid questions. You know, what you got? And so he points to his mom's midsection and he says, how did I ever fit in there? <laughs> and, and, and then he paused and I waited for him and he paused and he goes, and then he says, how did I ever get out? <laughs> and, you know, this, this is a great question, especially, you know, with kid brain. You know, he's, he, his brain's not fully developed. He's trying to understand the logistics of it based on his perception of how he presents bodily, physically in the world now. He's like, I am a big boy. There is no way I could have been in there, right, as this big boy. Um, and there's, how, how in the world would I get out? Because <laughs> I'm a big boy. <laughs> he's, you know, three foot, you know, or whatnot. There's no way. Well, no, at three foot, there is no way <laughs> that you would have been in there or gotten out, right? And your mom definitely wouldn't have survived that. <laughs> so, so <laughs> kids, anyway, kids are amazing. And I love all their questions. So, so that was a focus um, on bodily transitions. So, so the next one in line for today is health transitions. So these may be categorized and defined through experiences often with diseases. Um, so those tend to be a particular, you know, I'm going about my life, something abnormal happens, right? There's some sort of abnormal condition that affects the structure or function of my body, right? And so diseases are often known as medical conditions that are associated with specific signs and symptoms, right? So, so when we're like, man, I'm feeling really off. These are my symptoms. These are, you know, this is what I'm feeling. You know, I've got signs of this. Um, cause we're, we're uncomfortable or we're sick or, you know, and so each time that we then seek out some sort of medical or herbal or shamanic, uh, whatever assistance, right. Or help for our ailments. This is an amazing example of self-care. Right. If I'm going to, if I stay at home and I do nothing and end up dying, right. Because I didn't, I didn't seek anything out when there may have been options for me. Right. And I didn't know, cause I don't, I don't know what's going on. I just know that I'm not feeling well. Um, so when we engage in that self care, we are attempting to understand what is going on with our bodies and searching for a way to alleviate our discomfort, also known as our dis ease, right? I'm not at ease. I'm it's disease. Okay. You you follow. So in the, in the 2017 report published by the CDC, the top 10 most common diseases, um, included heart disease, cancer, accidents that resulted from unintentional injuries, chronic lower respiratory diseases, stroke, 
Alzheimer's, diabetes, influenza, pneumonia, kidney disease, and suicide. So if we just imagine for a moment, if you've never had the experience or if you have had the experience of receiving a diagnosis, especially one of those, those top 10, uh, of course, you're not going to receive the 10th one on there because if it's suicide, you're, you're not here. Um, so the top nine, if we, if we get, here's your diagnosis, we've done the lab work, you know, we've done our imaging and, and this is our diagnosis. There is huge transition period that follows this new information that has now been put into our awareness, right? We've learned something new that we didn't know before. We have more information of what's going on with our body. And so each time there is a diagnosis like that for our health, there's usually some set of remedies. And the really difficult thing is there's not one remedy for one disease that helps everybody, right? And so that's, that's where things get kind of tricky. And that's where sometimes that, that transition period may last a lot longer period of time, um, compared to someone who, you know, they, they tried something out and, and now it's working and they're feeling better. And so maybe they had a shorter transition period, but a very common experience is that initial diagnosis of, you know, your, your results came back and you have, you know, fill in the blank, um, creates a lot of transition period there. So moving from health transitions into relational transitions. So again, those can include familial relationships, friendships, romantic relationships. So these transitions often have an emotional effect on us as humans. I mean, we are social creatures. We are meant to interact with other humans. We, in fact, we, we are hardwired in our brains to connect with others. Okay. So let's look at family relationships. You know, as an infant or a young child, you know, ideally our needs and, and, and we, we have a dependency, um, and those needs tend to get met by some sort of parental figure or figures, right? So if I'm in a home with parents, ideally it's the parents, if it's the grandparents, if it's, you know, someone that's working at the orphanage, somebody who's, you know, wherever the, the, the infant is, we don't survive, right? Unless our basic needs are met. And those are usually met by somebody else, right? Who actually has the skill set and the brain development and the physical ability, right? To help us meet those needs. So as we continue our development, right? With our own growth and change, we move away from dependence, dependency for everything, right? And we start moving into these stages of, you know, increasing our autonomy, um, differentiating from, you know, everyone else in our, in our world, um, and creating some independence, right? Where when we're, if we're, if we're able to, we start to depend less on others to meet our needs and we increase our independence, which at the same time creates an interdependence between ourselves and others around us. So, um, under relational transitions with family, um, losing a family member, gaining a family member, ruptures in relationships within the family, um, all of these contribute to life transitions, right? Because it is, is huge change from what was typically our norm. So changes in friendships. You know, who I was in third grade is different from who I am now at 44 years old. <laughs> Thank goodness, in a lot of ways. There's probably some things I still, you know, still do, but I'm not like, no one says, oh, you seem like you're stuck in third grade in your development. <laughs> and if they do, they don't tell me to my face. So with, with my own changes and growth experiences, then our friendships tend to either strengthen uh, or fade away. You know, sometimes there are huge rifts um, or even small rifts or misunderstandings um, in friendships that can also create a similar outcome, right? That, that friendship either um, strengthens or fades away or is cut off. 
um, for whatever the reasons, right? And so often social media right now, I mean, you know, before Facebook was MySpace, and I'm, I'm not going to date myself on anything before that, but being able to, again, with our brains being hardwired to connect, um, you know, we're often looking for ways to connect with people. If I've got friends from Southern Cali where I grew up that I happen to find on Facebook and I get to catch up, you know, I get to message them or we exchange phone numbers and I can call them or, you know, I get to peruse their, their Facebook page and whatever they've chosen to, to put out into the world, right? You know, photos and life events. You know, I, I get to catch up. I get to feel connected, right? And so um, friendships will change, right? I mean, there's some people who will say, you know, oh, we've been friends since, you know, third grade. That's amazing that somehow, I don't like you picking third grade, but, but somehow since third grade and now as adults, you guys have managed to maintain a friendship. But if you actually sit down and talk to them about how that friendship has changed, how it has grown, there's probably been some rifts that both parties decided they wanted to work through, right? All part of making those decisions during life transitions. So then we get into romantic relationships. And I, and I will tell you, I'm, I'm always shocked and, and in awe when, when I hear, I don't show that, but, but in, in, my, own, in my own brain, um, because it's so rare these days to hear a couple come in to talk to me and say things like, because uh, I always ask couples, you know, in the, in the very beginning appointment, you know, how did you guys meet? You know, how, of, of the so many billions of people on this planet, how did you two come together in the same space in order to meet, Right. So when I hear them say things like, well, we met in junior high and then we got married after high school or we got married after college or whatever, I was like, holy crap, for real? Like you got, you guys, wow. Like <laughs> that's a lot of years. The only thing I've done for a lot of years is school. So, so at this point I'm just, wow, I'm impressed. Right. So more often than not, you know, humans, humans are going to have several romantic relationships throughout their lifespans. Some of those are real romantic relationships. Sometimes they're very childlike, you know, the kid who has a crush on their teacher, you know, that, that may be their first experience of a romantic relationship. It's one-sided, but you know, as we grow and develop and we start to have romantic relationships where both parties or however many consenting parties are involved, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a life transition to be whether it's I'm starting a new romantic relationship or if it is the ending of a relationship, uh, changes in levels of trust in a relationship, maybe one partner is growing one direction and the other is growing a different direction or maybe one of them is stagnant and not growing at all, that, that's life transition, right? Even just defining what the relationship looks like and negotiating and creating agreements within that relationship can create several different transitions, right? So it, some transitions feel like they are propelling us forward in life, right? In the direction we're choosing to go. And sometimes those transitions can feel like they are setting us backward. And often that's where that decision-making paralysis kind of comes in. So we get in next to parenthood transition. Um, and I, you know, I don't have to tell him pregnancy is full of transitions, right? Both, both for the carrying mother and the developing fetus, you know, adoption and fostering are also full of transitions. Anytime your role as a human changes into a parent, right? So whether that's by marriage, divorce, pregnancy, adoption, foster, etc., you know, parenthood, no matter what, <laughs> equals major adjustment periods 
and tons of opportunities for learning. Right? So that's, that's my cap on the, on the parenthood transitions. Uh, so then we move into educational transitions, right? So at least in the U.S., graduations are a big deal. You know, it was always when I was growing up, it was a high school graduation, high school graduation. And over the years, I've, I've watched how certain, certain public schools and as well as some charter schools have started to do these, these graduations from kindergarten. And, you know, prior, prior to a, a, a formal graduation at school, you know, there's a lot of rites of passage. There's a, there's a lot of ritual um, in various cultures and tribes where, where these rituals mark, you know, the end of something and the beginning of something else, right? And so graduations here often mark the end and beginning of two different transitions. So, for instance, graduating from kindergarten is a vastly different transition than the graduation moving us from eighth grade into high school in the U.S., Right. Everyone talks middle school is horrible. Middle, you know, you're going through puberty and you've got all these things going on. And, and then and then finally, you know, you get out of get out of middle school and you're in high school and then you're the low man on the totem pole again. Right. So making decisions educationally. Right. So if, if what is my life path going to look like after high school? There are so many different variables and those variables you're going to know about based on where you live, you know, is the school counselor giving you all the options? Are they steering you in a certain direction? Does family have expectations for where you should go? But it lends to those questions of, you know, does my formal education stop here? Uh, will I enroll in a trade school? Will I become an apprentice? Will I attend, you know, whether a university or a community college? Will I take courses that are online or in person? And all of that really boils down to discovering how do I best learn? And what, what are my passions? What do I want to do? And not everybody at 17, 18, 19 years old when they graduate high school can predict, you know, this is my passion now. It's going to be the passion for the rest of my life. Not everybody can predict that, right? So learning about ourselves, how do I best learn, can help make some of those decisions a little easier. And the thing to remember is if I've made a decision, so let's say I decide I want to go to a university out of high school, I can still change my mind right? I still get to decide for myself, is there going to be a different educational transition for me? I get to choose that. So moving out of educational transitions into employment and career transitions. You know, if you think back to the first time you applied for a job, that, that application, feeling, going in to get an application, right? Filling out the application, turning in the application, all of those are transitions, right? Getting hired is a transition. Not getting hired is a transition. Earning a promotion, being let go, being fired, changing careers. These are all transitions in our employment or our career, right? So even transferring employment, for example. So maybe I've been working uh, for a company that is that has you know um, is based here in the U.S. and maybe they've got some satellite companies in another country, and and I transfer, right? It's still the same company. Maybe I'm still doing the same job, but now I'm in a whole different other country. It's going to be another life transition. Just as moving from working in one corporate-owned business in one city to another is going to be a transition. So moving from employment and career transitions into societal transitions. So uh, uh, trying, to, trying to give the, the briefest definition possible on societal transitions because there's tons of, tons of articles and research that have been done on this. So, so a very brief definition. Um, a societal transition can be described as a set of interconnected changes which reinforce each other but take place in different areas such as technology, 
economy, institutions, ecology, culture, behavior, and belief systems, right? So the name of this podcast is Gear Shift. So we think about gears, right? Or the different cogs that are moving, right? They're, they're moving parts, but they all touch each other. So that's that interconnectedness with the gears. And so if one of those gears is technology and another gear is culture, how is both technology affecting culture as those, those cogs tend to turn and how is culture affecting technology? right? Because they're interconnected. So each thing affects because it's connected to the other. And that's going to create multiple transitions. Uh, pretty similar with the global and international transitions. They're, they're a lot like societal transitions. They just tend to focus more on things um, like global health, global business, and uh, energy and environment interconnections, right? So again, you've got these gears, you've got these cogwheels that are connected. And what happens down here eventually can get to something that's way up here because of that interconnectedness. So I guess that's my version of a brief definition of transitions, but I wanted to make sure that it was thorough. So to get into uh, where I want to start really with anticipated transitions and unanticipated transitions and what those look like and what, um, how, can, how can we work on, on learning something new to handle those will be coming up next on the next episode of gear shifts.